Welcome to Chasing Happiness podcast about life lessons and issues that impact our lives. Some of the best episodes are where we take an honest look at current events, discuss how they might affect you, all while being completely transparent in tone from host Ryan Dement who tells his stories with honesty combined with humor for your listening pleasure. Let's get to it, here is your host Ryan Dement. Hey guys, Ryan Dement, Chasing Happiness Podcast. I hope you guys are having a great day. It's another week and I've got a special guest on today. My guest is Amor Treisky. And I know I butchered your last name. I am so sorry. I am not very good when it comes to using and pronunciating people's last names. So I apologize. So Amor, welcome to the show. Mispronunciations are nothing. Yes. So one of the things that I, I really want to talk to you about is I'm really engaged with your journey and your life. But before we get there, can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are? Yes. So again, it's Amor Tosefsky. Um, I identify myself with the two cancers that I survived. I survived breast cancer and uh, ovarian cancer. I'm also a motivational speaker and author of a cancer reference manual called Build Been There, Done That. Prior to cancer, I was a human resources executive in various industries, and I was born and raised in Taiwan in an American international community of Filipino, Chinese, and Spanish parents. That's the gist of it. I do have one daughter, and I live in Penn Valley, California. Nice. That is great. That's a very different background than most people that come on, and that's why I wanted you to have on, because you have a different perspective. And you can bring a whole different uh, view. And I love that. So let's get into your journey. I know we've talked about it prior. And I'll be honest, I just am. You brought tears to my eyes just for the simple fact of everything that you've gone through, but you've overcome and you persevered. Could you, can you start out how we had that conversation on your life and where things started, how everything was going so well, and then life happened? Yeah, I realized that a long time ago, of course, looking back with clearer vision, I realized that we have a tendency to work so hard, do what we can, find our, find our identity, be accepted by society, this and that, and many judgments. But we, we try our best, and sometimes we work so hard uh, that we forget ourselves. We forget what's really important to us. And so in my past life, before cancer, I was um, all about taking care of others. I was all about making others like me and doing the best I can for others. It was always about taking care of others for others. And I forgot myself. And so I remember saying that I felt that I was strong, but I wasn't really healthy. And people think healthy and strong are the same thing, but it's not. I was strong intellectually, but my health was declining. And when I was working my last job before cancer, I was director of human resources at one of the major hotels in San Francisco. I was in a, a toxic work environment, but I thought I was strong enough to take all the problems that came my way and turn everything around. I didn't think I needed to sleep. 
or to eat. I ate all the junk stuff to make up for all the negativity that I was receiving and turning things around. So I demanded a lot of myself because I really thought that it's others matter. I'm okay, but others matter more than me. And that was not a healthy way of looking at things. So that's when cancer came into my life the first time. When I first got my diagnosis of breast cancer, I was in complete shock because prior to that, I really thought I was in control of life. I had authority. I had a great job financially. I was stable and secure, but I, I, I did had nothing. I knew nothing about cancer. So I was in complete shock. And because of that, I gave complete control of my life to my doctors and followed everything they told me to do. So I didn't matter. All I needed is to follow them because they knew what to do. I, I thought that I didn't even, uh, I had no clue. So I just went on and followed everything. Forget that I had a voice. I didn't think I had a voice. And when my, my doctor told me that I had to have a mastectomy and a dip plant reconstruction surgery, that's what I did. And after my reconstruction surgery, where they made a 22-inch incision across my abdomen from one end of the hip to the other, I was sent home after a week in the hospital, felt I was uh, doing okay unless, until the third day. On day three, I started shaking and shivering and, I, and getting cold. I got the chills. I thought, okay, hot tea and warm blanket. And so that's what I did for myself. But then it, the tremors just intensified. My neighbor came to um, help me out and she saw my temperature had gone up to 102. And so when she says, the more we need to take you to the hospital, I says, no, I'll be fine. I'll, I just need hot tea and warm blankets. I was able to call 911 after a little while and they came and uh, took my temperature. It was 103. And they said, ma'am, we need to take you to the emergency. And I said, no, I'll be fine. This is just part of the recovery process. By that time, my my teeth were chattering. I could barely talk. When I declined, they looked really worried because I didn't know at that time that I had a staph infection, which is deadly. I had sepsis, blood poisoning. So I didn't know at that time, but when I saw the worried looks on their faces, I said, okay, I'll go, but on one condition. And they said, sure, what is it? And I said, I'll go as long as I have a picture, a group picture taken with all of you in it. And they looked at me as if I had a, I had grown another head. And I explained to them that when a girlfriend of mine had fallen at home, they called 911 and she told me that the firefighter paramedics who picked her up were so cute, but I didn't, she didn't have any pictures to prove. So I asked, I told, I explained it to them and we had our picture taken. Now, the strange thing was my body was failing me. I was in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of discomfort. But when they agreed to, to have their picture taken with me, I was ecstatic. I was over the moon. I was giddy, happy. I was really smiling big, and I, I, I can't explain it. I, I looked back, and I, I thought, wait, how could that be? I'm happy, and yet my body's failing me. I'm, I'm dying. But the thing was, I, I clung to that, didn't learn until later that the reason why I was able to have that wonderful feeling is because I still have control. I have control of my life. It, it's physically, the doctors will take care of my health, but when it comes to my mental, my spiritual, my heart, I still have control of that. I have control over 
my perspective in life, over the choices that I make, I still have control. And I decided with that revelation that I was going to take the initiative and not let cancer put me down and bring down my spirits. Of course, that was difficult because every time I would look down at the grotesque wounds in my body, I was reminded of how broken and damaged and ugly I was. But I, I, I still, yeah. I got it. So, I, have a, I have a question. I have a question. Back up just a little bit. So when you first talked about when you were in the hospital or when you met with your doctors and you just allowed them to take over and make all those decisions, what, where, where were you at that time mentally of why just letting them, I'm envisioning and maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Basically, you just said whatever they said you did. Was there any questioning of understanding of what was going on or you just basically let them do whatever they wanted to do at that point? I just let them do whatever they wanted at that point. I felt I'd lost control. I it was like I was a car, a car that was speeding along the highway and I completely lost control. Would you say that is a low point of your life? Very low point. Because I, I didn't know what to do. I was at a loss. I was at a loss when I never was at a loss before. In the past, I was in control. I was in top. I was, I knew what to do with everything in my life. So when cancer hit me, that shock just took all that away. And then when... And so I was... I was Go ahead. So I, was, I was just in the bottom. So then when the paramedics came... And mm -hmm. you asked them for that group picture. What triggered there? What made you say, I'm back in control at that point? I was, when they agreed with me, I had initiated that request. They could have said no, but something told me, just what do you have to lose? Just ask for it. And so I did. And so when they agreed with me, it was like a light bulb that came that that came on that said, ah, yeah, you, they don't have to call the shots. You have to give them permission. They had they had to get my permission before bringing me to the hospital. They, they could not force me to go to the ER. Even if I was dying, they could not force to go. They could not force me to go to the ER without my permission because I was still of sound mind. Uh huh. So I was. So somehow something told me just ask them for that group picture, and when they allowed me to have the picture taken with them, that's when I was like, "Hey, I still have control." And so and that, that that really enlightened me. Yes. And that and that really lit. That really turned the light bulb on, as I would say, and you felt like you said, you felt like you're back in control. I'm just trying to get to the minute piece here. I'm drilling down is why the question of taking the picture and exchange for going to the hospital made you say I'm back in control. That's I'm trying to understand that. And a lot of people hit those. We all have different trigger points and I want to right. learn that trigger point. So others can actually hear and maybe they might have some type of a situation that's similar that they might right. bypass or see that they didn't have or see that they had in the oh wow I did have control of my life there yeah I see what you're saying well 
when we feel like when I felt then that I had no control of my life, I was just following what people told me to do and I had no voice. Uh, that was before that point, that turning point when they agreed with me, I re that was the realization that I did have a voice. So many times we feel we don't have a voice, especially when there's authority to tell that tells us you got to do this, you got to do my way or the highway or you're out and all that. But we actually do have a voice. And when I, so when I felt that I actually had a voice and I can actually call the shot for myself, not for anybody else, that strengthened me, that strengthened my resolve to heal and get better and brought back my self-esteem because I lost my self-esteem when I got the diagnosis of breast cancer. That is awesome. So a trigger like that, and you're able to start working back towards the positivity and the life that you were looking for. Just a little thing like that. That's amazing. Yeah. And I do have to share also that night, it was two o'clock in the morning after they processed me through the ER, I had my own room, but they surrounded me with these warm balloons, warm blankets. I was, my, my fever had gone up to 104 and they turned off the lights so that I could sleep, but I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. And I went back to that feeling of loss. That feeling of rapture that I had earlier was gone, replaced by the sickening wave of fear and abandonment and death and grief. And so what I did was I just prayed really hard, help me, what do I do? I was calling out to the universe, to my God, or, or whatever people would like to call it. And something just triggered when someone came through the door, and it was a male nurse in the darkened room. And I found myself asking this nurse all sorts of questions. What's your name? How long have you worked here? What are you doing? What's your favorite color? Are you married, single? All sorts of questions. And he answered. And when he left, I, it brought me back to what I was able to feel with the paramedic firefighters. And that's when I was able to engage in conversation with the nurse, I created energy for myself. I initiated a conversation, asking questions. He asked, he answered, he asked me questions. We went back and forth and it was not about my failing health. It was about outside of my failing health. I wasn't focused so much on the negative situation that I was in, but I realized that when I focus so much on the negative situation that I'm in, then of course I give energy to that negative situation. Why do that? So I forced myself and I learned to start engaging with others outside without talking about my negative situation talk about their situation, learn about things, learn about life and laugh and smile and share. The body will take care of itself because I really believe that what we bring into our minds and our spirits, it manifests in our bodies. So whenever we bring in positive energy and engage with positive things happen to our health as well. And the same with negative, we've taken negative things from the news or from people or uh, negative people and stuff like that. We bring that in, it turns it up, we process negativity, it manifests in our body as well. So I learned that that same day or night, I should say. 
And that's so very true. It's something I believe in my heart and you worry about things and those things come true. You focus on the positive and you think positively. It it happens. It doesn't happen overnight. And that's where a lot of us struggle because you want something to happen, but we're all in this instant gratification world. And unfortunately, it doesn't, you can't, I, I don't want to say can't, it's highly unlikely that you're going to manifest something in a very short period of time, especially if someone says, I want to be a millionaire. You're not going to manifest that overnight. You've got to work on that and, and get to something. It's like building a business. It, it doesn't happen overnight. It comes with hard work, dedication, the ups and downs, and, and just trying to stay positive. And that's life. And you, you've gone through some very difficult times in life. And have gotten yourself back up and found points in your life that you were able to rally around and say, I'm in control and I'm able to move forward. You get through sepsis, you get better. What happens next? Uh, what happens next is after another week in the hospital, they send me home. I go into remission and I'm deemed cancer free. Fast forward though, three years later, I get my second diagnosis of cancer. This time it was ovarian cancer. I thought that I could battle the ovarian cancer the same way I did with the breast cancer with initiative and voice and determination and a positive mindset. But man, that battle was vicious. And I, the, the chemo, the side effects, the fatigue, the nausea, the weight loss, everything that I went through was more than uh, what I had experienced for breast cancer. So I, there were times I felt defeated, had that pity party, but then I realized uh, from talking with others and just by going inside, okay, what do I want out of life? The, the lowest low I reached when I had the worst pain, I was just sitting down uh, in the couch, looking outside. I felt that was, I really felt that was the end of me. I was just sitting there and feeling what was like, uh, pinch nerve, but instead of a pinch nerve in your back, it was a pinch nerve all over my body. And I, I would oh. take Vicodin, didn't help, nothing helped me. And I was in tears. And so finally I said, dear God, if this is the end of me, please just take care of my family, take care of my daughter. And I was in tears. I was just beside myself. And I released that. It was like a, a dam that had broken loose. After I processed through all the tears, of course, I was still breathing and I looked out and I said, okay, I faced death. Now what? I was like, all right, I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. I don't know when yet. I'm still breathing. What am I going to do? So that was a huge question because that's when I realized from now to my last breath, I don't want to live in any more fears. I don't want to be insecure. I don't want to have to take care of everybody without taking care of myself. I need to take care of myself, take care of my family. There are goals that I hadn't been able to achieve because I was allowing people to take over me and, and, and take control of my time and all that stuff. So I realized that I needed to grab a hold of life, be so appreciative with so much gratitude, every single little thing, the grasses, the trees, the, even the pavement, the car, the pencils, the, the glass, the computer. Be thankful for everything, especially when I was at my lowest low. The thankfulness practice that I developed, it was a mindfulness practice. 
And I, I learned in my mind not to listen to all that chatter that goes on in my head. There's a lot of chatter. And the chatter that goes on in my head comes from my past experiences of being taught I wasn't good enough or there was something wrong with me and, and all that stuff. So I learned to quiet that chatter and say, you know what, that's in the past. From here on, it's a clearing. From here on, I am going to live my life for me. And part of living life for me is helping others, but not at my own expense where I'm not taking care of myself. So I am living life fearlessly now without, without sacrificing my morals, and creating my own possibilities and helping others, just being grateful. Just, when we're grateful, it opens up so much for us to receive because we're not carrying around this pain or this burden of, of past, um, past challenges that, that brought us down. Now it's a new beginning. So this, after ovarian cancer, after I passed that battle and I gained all that strength, I said, okay, from here on, this is what I'm going to do. And so I'm laser focused. Before the end of my life, there's so many things I want to achieve. I want to make sure that when I, when my family looks back and I look back from the next world, that I could see that, hey, I did my best. I was able to create a positive impact for others. And with that, I'm fulfilled and I'm happy and I'm grateful. So that's amazing. I'm trying to summarize all this and, and take it all in. My brain is hurting, but the mindful piece, can we get back to that? No, it's great. It's a great journey. I, I love it. The mindful, the mindful piece that you're getting at, mm -hmm. is it through meditation or because a lot of people, including me, my brain doesn't turn off at times. So I know I have to turn off all distractions and I have to find a quiet space. And I say quiet means in my mind because I've got to be able right. to let all those things go. How does that work for you? What, when you say mindful meditation, what other things could you, could other, excuse me, people do to be able to get there and what work? I think, cause I, I can totally empathize with those who have a fast paced life. It's hard to find quiet time. I was like that before, but the, it's um, putting in my, my appointment book, five minutes, beginning of the day, even before getting up in the morning, five minutes just clearing my mind, being grateful, and then thinking, okay, thank you for, uh, when you look around, you say, thank you for the bed, thank you for the pillow, thank you for the lamp, thank you for the floor. It seems really silly, but when we say thank you, it's such a positive phrase that it, it brings us back to realizing what we actually have. Because too often we think of what we don't have, and too often we think of what we cannot control. And when we cannot control something, we cannot control situations or people or events, that's when frustration sets in and we're not happy. But when we start the, our day with gratitude, with a clear mind, with gratitude, it allows the grace of things to happen more smoothly than having the expectation of things that may not be realistic at that point in time. Some, thing, some things that, some goals that we set ourselves for they're supposed to progress at their own pace, not our pace all the time. We'll try really hard to let it happen at our own time, but sometimes it's not meant to happen now, and that's okay. Focusing our energy on what's here and now, what we have versus what we don't have. So there is a saying that I love that says, happiness is wanting what you have, not having what you want. 
That is great. Very powerful yeah, so positivity. Yeah, that's great. And that that is just it's so hard to do it because I fight it on a daily basis and I, I try to get there's times where, yes, the negativity does creep in, but you have to fight it back and make changes and and you're doing that and that's an inspiration in itself. That's huge. So thank you for for sharing that part of your journey. So that being said, you talked a little about being a mediator. I also know you want to talk about your book. What other things do you want to talk about before we get to those things? About there's certain I, I like to share when it comes to transforming our lives and thriving, not just surviving. Too many people I know have survived cancer and then they just exist. They think, oh, I that's it. I just I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything because there's cancer. And unfortunately, that's not a healthy way of looking at things and, and life is just going by them. But I know other people, as a matter of fact, one of the featured survivors in my book, Reverend Linda Sadal, she had uh, pancreat- stage four pancreatic cancer for six years and she beat it all to, until the very end. And she just recently died until the very end. She called the shots. So people would say, how can you beat cancer when you still have it, when it, when you die from it? And the thing is, it's, she did not let cancer dictate her happiness or how she wanted to live her life to the very end. She took control and, and told people what she wanted to have happen, how to do it and all that stuff. And instead of saying, okay, you're uh, cancer, you got me, I give up. And so it's not giving up on yourself for the rest of your life. And when it comes to transforming, it's recognizing that you are your own person, irregardless of what other people says. And so please focus on what your goal, what your focus on your goal in life. What do you want to be? What do you want to do? And go for it, despite what other people say, even despite what your internal voices are saying that are disempowering. Just go for it. You'll have hiccups. I call them hiccups. You'll trip and you'll fall, but you can pick yourself up. Life is a one-way street. Just move forward one day at a time and be open to learning new things and always be grateful and don't carry that burden of past regrets. Learn. It's, it's Life is about not winning and losing. Life is about learning and winning and learning, not losing. You only lose when you give up and just please uh, take care of yourself, take care of your soul, your who you are, and be kind to yourself. And um, know that there's a lot more to life than what people say and what your circumstances are. It's in you, you have that strength. And so going to that, when it comes to my book, I am I wrote a cancer reference manual. It's a big one. It's eight and a half by 11. It weighs three pounds, but it's a reference manual for cancer patients. And I interviewed 19 cancer cancer survivors, some of whom are patients also, who have different cancer, cancers, pancreatic, colon, breast, salivary, gland, skin, so many. And one of the things that we all have in common, aside from cancer, is that we did not give up and we want to leave a legacy. And so in that book, we share the tips of how we went from diagnosis to after treatment or continuous treatment. The physical, how we went through the physical, the mental, the spiritual, even the psychosocial. And we wanted to share this so that those who are going through having to live with cancer can reference that book and and see they're not alone. And there are different tips 
and practical tips on how to go through daily living, your job, eat, walking, breathing, standing, or friends, relationships, and stuff like that. So it's on Amazon. You can find it there, and it's called Been There, Done That, Practical Tips and Wisdom from Cancer Survivors for Cancer Patients. And you asked me to speak a little bit about my being a mediator. Yes. My past life, I was a junior mediator, but I continue to be a mediator in not professionally, but in several different ways, because in mediation, there's always uh, two warring parties. And so party one and party two don't like each other because of whatever happened between them. As a mediator, we validate where they both come from. Because when you, when people go into uh, fight mode or unhappy about other people or the things that they did, there are emotional balloons that increase in size and start growing, and it, including through the years. When a mediator comes into the picture and we validate, once you validate the person who is having emotional difficulties with their other or anger about against the other person, when you validate someone, their emotional balloons start deflating. You show them value, but you also validate where they're coming from without passing judgment and without siding with that person. So you, as a mediator, we talk to both parties. And then as we go towards the end, it's like about three hours, we talk to them about, okay, what do you both want to have happen? Both parties want the, both want to reach a, an agreement that would be acceptable to both of them. They both want peace. You can start working there. And then they start talking uh, to each other about how to reach that, that common ground that they're both looking for. And they can only do that once their emotional balloon is, is deflated. You cannot think when you have an emotional balloon in your head. You cannot think straight because you're thinking with your emotions. So as a mediator, I like to help others. I like to facilitate communication between, between others who are, not, who are at odds with each other. So I do that on a regular, not on a regular basis, but I do that wherever I go, whenever I see that disagreement or without siding with one or the other. Because I really believe that everyone should have the right to feel valued and feel that the, what, they, what they feel or what that their opinion matters. That's great. And your story is inspirational. But you also have some, you have some great points and, and things that we all can do to improve our lives, but also changing our mindset. And that is such a huge obstacle that we all, I know I deal with it and I, I, we all challenge, we're all challenged with it, but being able to be cancer twice to be able to then write a very lengthy book and then be able to share those experiences with others to, in, to improve their lives and not just live, but live with a passion. That's huge. And I'm, I'm honored that you came on today and, and very thankful that you shared your story with uh, our listeners. Oh, thank you so much, Ryan, also for having me and allowing me to share my message. I, I do want to let those um, who are questioning whether they can transform their lives and thrive. Do you want to give them hope? There is a process. It's in my, I also have a website, amortraseski.com. That's A-M-O-R-T-R-A-C-E-S-K-I.com. And in that website, I have the three phases to bring out, to bring what is within you out into the world. That's basically transformation. We, there's, 
three phases, you go from validation of who you are and self-respect to the second phase of self-discovery and empowerment. And finally, to phase three, which is transformation and rebirth. You can't just go to transformation without, like you said earlier, without the work. And But yes. you have to be wanting to make that change and put the ego aside. We all have egos, which is important. Ego is just the desire to be in control and take initiative. But put that aside. See who you are right now and what you want to be or how you want to be in the future. But really look at um, what you're, what's getting in the way of your achieving your goals. And it can't be other people. It's just within you. What are, what, what's getting in the way? And then putting out there what your, what your fears are, being honest with it. It doesn't, nobody needs to know, but be honest with what your fears are, fear of abandonment, fear of being ridiculed, all that stuff. And then the next thing you do is write down all your strengths, be, being proud of your strengths and think of the times that you were resilient and you bounced back from some hardships. And then after that, you can look at your goal, put that in the forefront and say, you know what? Those fears, those the things that got in the way, I can work on them. Uh, whenever I procrastinate, because that's a weakness of mine, whenever I procrastinate and, and to, to play with words with friends too, uh, which is addicting for me, I think, okay, I'm more, I have to set aside the time for that and just on my own, make my own plan to say, okay, I realize this gets in the way of what I want to achieve. So I'm going to put that aside and keep on, keep my focus. But it's realizing who we are, what we want, what our, what our fears are, what gets in the way and what our strengths are, allowing our strengths to lead the way and growing from all of that. That's awesome. And I'll also link your website in the show notes so people know how to get a hold of you. And I will put in your book link on Amazon there too, so they can all have that uh, to refer to. Thank you so much, Ryan. Very, very much. I really appreciate you and all that you do. Thank you. I thank you for coming on. We'll definitely be inviting you back and and talking about more of your story or, or sharing some new tidbits that you come up with. But thank you for coming on this week, and I hope you have a good day. You too, Ryan. Take care now. Bye. Uh, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Chasing Happiness podcast. Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.